Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. Hey, what's up? I'm Amobi Okugo, a.k.a. a frugal athlete. So check this out. We came out with an all-new, extensive, brand-new course. Our course, Rookie Mistakes, is a course that helps young athletes and individuals avoid the common mistakes when starting your career. I provide real-life examples, lessons, insights, all that and more to teach you how to identify the rookie mistakes before you make them. And trust me, I've made a lot. It's all about giving yourself the best foundation and head start to build financial and career stability. For more information or to get the course, check out the link in bio. Welcome to another episode of a Frugal Athlete Podcast. Uh, we are joined by Grant Lachowski, uh, someone that I've had the pleasure of knowing for quite some time, um, but recently got back in touch with him because he's doing some amazing things. Grant is an advisor uh, for not only athletes, but artists and entertainers as well. But we're going to talk specifically today. It's going to be uh, NFT masterclass of sorts. Uh, Grant has a lot that he's doing on his plate so we're excited to have him on uh, I'm very fortunate as he's a busy man so Grant how you doing today I'm doing very well thank you for having me nah thank you so for for those folks that may not know you can you give us a quick rundown of you know how you got to where you are today of course so uh, by day I'm a financial advisor for athletes artists and entertainers basically across North America so both Canada and the U.S. so wherever they come from around the globe if they are playing here we advise them mostly on financial aspects but part of that role is to always look at opportunities uh, in the marketplace whether it's in my small field or uh, externally where um, they can benefit from and the nft space has been uh, extremely hot right now it's uh, a very uh, groundbreaking and innovative new platform and ways for guys to monetize their brand and their likeness and uh, it became so much of a focal point for my guys that I decided to set up a side company um, that is exclusively designed to create, launch, and assist these athletes, these artists, and entertainers in launching their own NFTs. It's been a, a whirlwind of a journey. I can tell you that um, the space is moving faster than you know all of us can even keep up with, which that's the exciting part as well. It's consistent learning about this new technology that's emerged. No, that's what it's all about. So can you dive into what the company is? MNG Collections, correct? Yes. And then how many, uh, for the folks that, I mean, I'm sure everyone knows about NFTs, but give us like that NFT 101, like break it down for me because I'm still learning about it. I'm trying to dibble and dabble in, but it's like, until I know like for sure what it is, I can't, I can't get into it. And I know we talked offline and you were sending me uh, some of the athletes that you help out in terms mm -hmm. of like their launches. And I was like, you know, I got to get on this. I got to get on this. So uh, what's like, what's NFTs? And then obviously your company behind it. So I'll first start explaining what an NFT is um, for your viewers. They might or might not know. It stands for non-fungible token, which for the layman's person is just a bunch of jargon. You know, what <laughs> yeah. token, what's, what's fungible, what is non-fungible, what does that even mean, right? But uh. Um, it's really, really simple when you break it down like this. Um, they're two of the same kind, but you can basically fork it, okay? On one side, you have digital assets, okay? That's going to be uh, paintings, artwork, songs, trading cards for athletes. 
And then on the other side and the underlying technology for that side is what's called smart contracts. So think of anything in real life that has a contract, um, getting married, you know, getting divorced, um, selling real estate, you know, getting a loan from a bank, anything that has a contract um, essentially can then be performed using blockchain technology, using NFTs. So for example, um, you could do a preview of a house, you know, on MLS, you have a 30 second little um, preview. The person that buys that preview, the underlying smart contract then will connect a buyer and a seller to, of course, get rid of middlemen, which is the point of this whole space, to enable that transaction to happen very, very quickly with less friction than uh, traditional means. So on one side, you have a digital asset, and that can be, frankly, anything, anything you can digitize that you can put online, right? So a lot of musicians are getting involved in this space. Tory Lanez made over $400,000 in four minutes selling three different songs using NFTs. So the purchaser of these songs actually got other uh, or unlocked exclusive bonuses that were attached to that digital asset. So that's the really cool spot and the cool part of this whole NFT space. When you combine a digital asset with a, a real life experience or a real asset. So for example, um, we just launched an, an NFT right now uh, through my company, uh, MNG Collections, which I've started uh, with my co-founder, Matt Santos. He heads our whole design um, team and is in charge of the creative aspect of the business. I handle more of the business side and we work together uh, as a team. And um, we're doing a NFT right now that's live on Rarible, which is one of the marketplaces. Think of it like the eBay for NFTs where you can buy and sell these. And uh, it's from Michael the Menace Johnson. He's a UFC fighter. And what he's done is we created a trading card for him, but we've also uh, attached a real life experience. So the purchaser of this NFT will not only get a high resolution um, version of the NFT, they'll get the actual digital asset that will live on the blockchain, but they're also going to get flown down to Florida for the night, put up in a hotel and have the opportunity to do one-on-one -on -one sparring with not only him, but his whole MMA team. Not only that, after that, they're going to set up camp, have food and a viewing party for the upcoming UFC fight. So it's an entire 24-hour experience in addition to getting this digital asset that will live in perpetuity on the blockchain. So when you start thinking of it like that, um, you can get really, really creative with the um, entire package with these NFTs. No, I love that. And I love how you broke it down from like the UFC fighter um, because I was, uh, I was kind of perplexed on how, you know, you see the musicians being able to use it. You see like the graphic designers, the painters, like they could put their stuff on digital assets and, you know, build an NFT from it. From, from, a, from an athlete perspective, these kind of utility add-ons, is that kind of the play for athletes? There's a couple different ways that guys are doing this, right? You have um, guys that are just playing on their brand name and mm -hmm. they're just keeping it very simple. They're launching NFTs, you know, through like traditional means, like a digital trading card. Maybe there's an artistic kind of flair to it. For example, Patrick Mahomes um, launched a collection of NFTs. There was no uh, additional experience uh, associated with these NFTs. I believe there's four or five of them. It's been the largest athlete launch to date and he raised almost $4 million from his NFT launch. And that was just playing on him being him. And um, same with uh, Rob Gronkowski. And he just played on his brand. And it was simply, you know, the cards, he raised almost 2 million. I believe it was 1.8.
So you can definitely keep it real simple like that. If you have that brand um, image and that likeness associated with yourself, uh, um, you can keep it real simple. But then you can also go another way and you can have that real life experience like Michael Johnson's doing where he's flying someone out and you can attach it. I believe there's going to be a combination of both of these being done by athletes. So for example, uh, Luca Garza, He's the NCAA player of the year for um, college, uh, Iowa, he played for. And he hasn't even stepped foot on a professional basketball court, but launched his NFT, just got drafted uh, this year. And um, uh, he combined his NFT with a real life experience. So what he did was uh, a game of horse. You get to play with him, you get to shoot, you get dinner and a movie. And you also get to participate in a meditation session because he's really into meditation. So this is a college athlete. And as we all know, or maybe some of your viewers don't, but the the rules are changing for NCAA with guys being able to benefit from their likeness and their brand while they're in college. So I foresee this spreading through the college ranks where you have guys like Luca, not after they graduated, but while they're still playing at Duke, Kentucky, taking advantage of that publicity they get from one of these big D1 schools. And they're going to combine it with a, a game of horse or a training session with them or something yeah. like this. I believe there's a third level to this. And this is where we're seeing guys like uh, Gary V, where he's creating a, um, an ongoing benefit to holders of the NFT. Okay? And he's doing this through his conference. But for example, we are launching an NFT probably within the next month with uh, one of the gentlemen on the LA Lakers. He's one of their starting five. So uh, you can't trust that right now, but it's going to be a big name. Okay. Respect. It's just going to be crazy. And when I mean crazy, I think this is going to be the biggest NFT launch for a professional athlete to date. Um, Not only maybe the amount of money we raise, but also the package that, and all the bonuses that are included in this. And it's absolutely absurd. So we're doing four different NFT cards for this Laker. And um, I'll give you a little sneak peek, if you will. Okay. There's one card that's going to be the one of one, and that's going to be the crown jewel to this offering. And what this guy's going to do is uh, the purchaser of this NFT gets the digital trading card, of course. This is the only one created, so there's one copy. Um, So that'd be a flex kind of in and of itself. Um, But they're going to get an hour-long Zoom call with this individual where on the Zoom call, they're going to design a pair of shoes together that this individual is going to wear at one of the playoff games that he's going to fly him and another person out to LA for the weekend, come to the game, sign the shoes after he's worn them to the game that the, the winner is going to, and they get the shoes afterwards. So you get to design a shoe with the Laker, get flown out to a playoff game, and then get the shoes off his feet after the game. That's just one of the four we're doing. That's and um, it's going to be crazy. So I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Like crazy. I'm over here. You I'm know, looking at like, the Lakers roster. I'm like, <laughs> who could it possibly be? There's That's one of five, man. <laughs> We're going to be announcing it probably in the next two weeks. Oh, most definitely. So at the time of this recording, um, this will probably be announced. So make sure you guys check out MNG Collections. So with that being said, you talked about like putting like a cap on NFTs. Um, can you talk about that experience and kind of making it like almost like um, a scarcity, the scarcity model that you do? For sure. I mean, you know, uh, NBA Top Shots is essentially an NFT. Everyone knows what that is. The thing is, most purchasers of NBA Top Shot moments, which are basically small clips of NBA players, um, 
they're actually sold using NFTs and the background technology is on the blockchain. But when you go and you go to mbatopshots.com, you just type in your Visa card. You don't even know the user experience is so flawless and there's no jargon. There's no cryptocurrencies involved at all um, because they've created their own blockchain with a single use um, type of offering. They don't do all these other things. You have Ethereum that has endless possibilities, but then you can create single use um, blockchains. So maybe a real estate company will create an, uh, a blockchain just for real estate transactions. That's all it will do. Yeah. And so with them, they have kind of like a, a few different options. I'm not an expert in, in that space at all, but they have, um, I believe it's called open collections where they okay. just continuously mint. So if you have a, um, a Zach Levine card and if it's an open edition, maybe they'll release 10,000 copies, but because it's open, they can actually create 15 or 20,000 or 30,000 copies. So okay. that scarcity doesn't really exist, but it opens it up to the common person you know, where they can afford it. And it's just like trading cards from, you know, tops or anything else, right? Um, but NBA Top Shots has also created a limited edition where some of their cards, there's only 100 copies. And mm -hmm. that is what drives up the value and that creates that scarcity. So I think, you know, with this whole NFT space, for certain assets, I believe we're probably in a bubble um, uh, with some of these cards. You have to really think to yourself, what is the longevity of these cards? Like Paris Hilton, for example, launched the NFT about a month ago and made uh, $1.1 million. And so uh, what we have to ask ourselves is in five or 10 years, what's the value of that NFT, right? Mm -hmm. So going back to what I was saying, what Gary Vee is doing and what we're doing also with this Laker is creating ongoing benefits. So it's one thing to create a one-on-one -on -one card and sell it for a million dollars. That's great, okay? And I have all these extra benefits attached to it. But what happens, let's say that you buy that card, you use those benefits. Two years later, you wanna sell the card, but you've already used the physical benefits yeah. and the real life experience. What's that digital asset value now? Probably not a million dollars. It's whatever someone will pay for. So there's a couple different ways that creators, athletes, artists, entertainers are selling the NFTs. Straight up card, um, ongoing you know, um, community, where you yeah. might get access to a private website where this athlete goes on once a month. And if you have that NFT, you get access to interact with them every month for three years. That's that ongoing benefit, right? Um, or you could just have a, a real life experience where it's just kind of like a flown out, um, come to a game and you get the shoes off the guy's feet sort of thing, right? So that's from the creator's perspective, but the buyers also have to understand why are they buying these NFTs? Are they buying it for that real life experience? They don't actually even care about secondary market and resale value of the NFT. Um, are they buying it to make money? And if they are, they have to look like any other investment and assess what's the long-term prospects of this investment, right? Mm -hmm. And is a random Tuesday moment from Kyle Lowry from an assist from the baseline worth $50,000? I mean, mm -hmm. maybe yes, maybe no. Everyone has to make their own decisions, but... Um, that's kind of the, the, the ways that the buyers and sellers both have to understand this space. Right now, there's just a lot of euphoria, a lot of excitement yeah. about the place. Everyone just wants to get involved. Is that kind of quick money. But as we all know, quick money comes and quick money goes. That's and true. so it's about building long-lasting benefits and long-lasting value, both from the creator perspective, but also buyers. Yo, you got my head spinning. I'm like, I was like trying to get my notebook out because I'm writing. So for example, like, so like say I'm an athlete, but I'm an entrepreneurship uh, entrepreneur yep. as well. 
I can like essentially create like an NFT mastermind group. And the only way you can join the mastermind is if you have an NFT for like the next year and a half. Correct. You could have a, an expiry date. Um, you know, and, and what I learned in business and I've been in business a while now is you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. What you can do is, you know, I always tell guys when we're advising them from a financial point of view, yeah. just think about, you know, and these are professional athletes, NBA, NHL, and just to close their eyes to think about professional athletes that they admire from a business perspective and names like um, uh, Magic Johnson come up, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, these guys that are businessmen as well, right? Um, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's about, it's about making those, those right decisions. And for you, going back to, to what you were saying is, you know, you can really just take what other people are doing. Gary Vee's created a slew of NFTs that any single person that buys them gets access to his conference for three years. You could, for example, sell a collection of NFTs that have different properties to them. One could give access to a class that you have for one or two years. Okay. And then after that, there's no residual value to that NFT. So it's more a short-term sort of thing. You could have something that's longer term. You could have something with none of those values where it's more like sell an NFT and I'll connect you with an athlete for half a, a half an hour or something. You could become a broker between the athlete and the viewer where it's like a, you could essentially the person that provides the NFT, you'll set them up with a, a selection of 10 athletes that they can have an interview with or do a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call or something like this, right? So, um, yeah. you know, another example that Mark Cuban brought up is that he believes all textbooks will be sold um, through NFTs. So I have a whole library here. You know, what's one of the big uh, companies here? I, what is it, Webster or something like this? The problem is, is when they sell textbooks to students, um, there's no ongoing compensation for these companies. They'll sell a textbook, yeah. an economics book for $100, and that's it. That's true. sold an NFT though. And um, the great thing about the NFTs, especially for artists and in the example of textbooks is you can attach royalty components to this. So I could sell an NFT, like pretend this is a book, for example, I got a book right here. Okay. Yeah. It's actually a great book here. Great and, book. Uh, One of my favorite okay. books, uh, by the way. All right. We are definitely so, going to have that in the show notes. Good plug. So uh, there you go. So what we <laughs> could do is uh, we could sell this book using an NFT and we'll sell it for 50 bucks. We'll have a hundred copies. And then whenever someone's done with that book and wants to resell it, we can attach a 10% royalty to this. So in perpetuity, the buying and selling of this on the secondary market, I will get passive income from these royalties. And this is going to be done for many, many types of assets. Everything from the trading cards that we sell for athletes to textbooks that Webster sells to students. So one more question I have, because, you know, obviously training cards, uh, you know, they use the photographers, they have license with uh, the leagues. So if I'm an athlete, I have, have to make my own version of a training card. It wouldn't be like a picture I can take from the game. Correct. Yeah. Okay. You have to really, really be careful with intellectual property and make sure that you're not infringing on any of these. Like next thing you want, or the last thing you want, I should say, are leagues, you know, knocking on your door and with the lawsuits and, and all this. And, and yeah. they take this very seriously, right? This is a lot of money that goes behind um, that intellectual property and, and that copyright for those images, right? And, yeah. you know, for the, the, the NFTs, you really need three things, okay, uh, to benefit from this space. Anyone that is launching an NFT, I believe from my experience in this space and having done this a while, um, if you don't have these three things, I don't think you'll be successful in, in selling and launching an NFT collection. First of all, you need content. 
okay? Without any content, whether it's a song, uh, an image, um, anything that it can be uh, digitized. If you don't have that, there's nothing, there's nothing to work with. So once you have that, that's the first step. Then you need a following or be able to market it through a, an avenue, right? So you could have tons of content, but if you got a, a 50 followers on your social media platforms or 50 people know you, it's like that great beat maker that sits in his mom's basement, but nobody knows about them. So they yeah. never win awards. So you need a platform to, you know, from the mountaintop, explain what you're doing to people. The third and most important is you need a following that you can monetize. Okay. And I'll give a great example. I'm speaking with a comedian out in LA. He has 5 million Instagram followers, huge following, let alone all the other platforms, tons of content. So what he uses is actually basketball as his way to be a comedian and make fun and joke around. Right. And he's on Instagram. Um, so he has the content. He has the following. The thing is he's never sold a thing to his followers before. So he might be able to make a little bit of money just based on the sheer volume of followers he has. But if you compare that, and I'll exaggerate really to drive home the, the, the point here, say, take a Kim Kardashian, okay? Mm -hmm. She has tons of content, tons of following, and his followers, her followers are used to buying stuff every day from her. So she would be a perfect candidate to launch an NFT. She could sell her perfume or her clothes through NFTs, and she would make an absolute killing, right? So um, athletes are great because they have a fan base, right? So they have mm -hmm. the platform, they have content, and their fans are used to buying stuff from them merchandise, paraphernalia, game tickets, you know, so on and so forth. So they're in a very unique spot where they have, you know, one, two, and three checked off. That doesn't mean you'll be successful, but without them, it will be a struggle. Uh, I think that's, that's amazing. I appreciate you sharing that. So I have a question. So obviously NBA Top Shot, and I consider you an expert in this, and I hope people have their notes as they um, listen to this, because I have my notes. I'm writing everything down, to be honest. So I was thinking, I was like, if Allen Iverson was be able to create a top shot of him crossing up Jordan or him like stepping over Tyloo, like I'm like imagining that, would he be able to do that? Or would he have to like connect with top shot around that? Or he can make like his own version of an NFT around that. So the thing is, is, you know, and, and uh, one of the NFTs I mentioned, we're launching four with that LA Laker. Um, one of them is going to be a clip from a game. Now, when you are creating um, any sort of content, you'll see tons of NFTs on marketplaces like OpenSea and Rarible, where there's pictures of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or Elon Musk, or Dogecoin memes, and all of this stuff. These are not the original creators of this content. But from my business partner, Matt Santos, has told me, as a creator, for say like a graphic designer, we'll focus on this. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe 85% of the content needs to be original to the creator. So I could take a picture of Michael Jordan, but if I were mm -hmm. to paint that picture, that painting is 100% original to me. Or if I took Michael Jordan out of the picture and turned him into a cartoon and put all these flares on and go back to your example, the step over, you know, Allen Iverson is one of the most iconic clips in NBA history, right? Yeah. Um, as long as he partners with a group like myself or somewhere else where they can create a unique image from that clip, they will be able to, to sell that using an NFT. So if you go on Rarible or any of these uh, marketplaces and type in Michael Jordan, there are tons of Michael Jordan NFTs. They don't own the content to the original, original work, but they've done creative aspects to that design to make it unique to that creator. And that's how you get around these. So for example, we launched a, an NFT 
which is actually the first ever NFT launched by a Cleveland Browns player, uh, I think two weeks ago. And what we did is we did a, a lot of artistic flair in the NFT to the front and back of the trading card. It was very similar, like how you think on the back, it had all the stats, but on yeah. the front it showed him, um, you know, when he played in the University of Miami and had him in the Cleveland Browns jersey. But we had to alter the graphic to comply with um, all of the rules and regulations about uh, privacy and, and copyrights. Oh, that's amazing. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think it's important for athletes um, to make sure they protect themselves at all times. 100%. And I, when you explain it, it's almost like if you're like making a shirt, you kind of, you could take inspiration, but you can't copy like basically word for word. Unless you get um, like a licensing a, a, a approval from the content okay. creator, right? If you know a photographer, like these athletes are, are very close with people in media, right? So if you play in the NBA and you know a, a photographer that you like, and yeah. you can partner maybe with that photographer, bring him on board. You know, it's all about collaboration, right? Uh, Terrell Owens, you know, he did a, a collection of NFTs about a month ago. He did six different ones. And what he did is he actually had six different artists create their own, you know, um, designs. And so it was the popcorn. It was, you know, him on the star like that in Dallas yeah. and all these iconic PO moments but he actually partnered with different collectors and brought them together. So an athlete could bring in a, a photographer, bring in a, a graphic artist and, and make a team to actually build a, an NFT collection. And from my experience, no one's buying NFTs from M&G collections because of M&G collections. You yeah. know, what we are is a, a, essentially, we create super low barriers of entry for athletes that have heard about this space, but don't even know where to start. They're like, I want to do it, this looks super cool, but how the hell do I even get this off the ground? What we do is we created a very, very simple process. They sent us content, videos or pictures that they would like to turn into an NFT. We give it to our graphic team, probably take about a week to turn around. We send them back a URL link to a landing page where their auction will be held. Then they promote that URL link through their social media. That's it. It's that simple for an athlete to get involved in the NFT space. So we started this company probably two, two and a half months ago, and it's just exploded. We can barely keep up with the demand because of a couple of things. Number one, there's the tailwind of the whole space in of itself yeah. because everyone wants to get involved. But we've also created a very, very simplistic way for these guys to get involved in this space. We didn't want to, you know, charge them five grand up front or, you know, have them understand all the complexities of how to mint an NFT and all this. We handle all that for them. Basically, okay. they just send us the content and we send them back a link. It's really that simple. So for guys that want to get involved in this space, whether it's with us or, like I said, bringing in photographers and graphic artists, it's all about creating that team. You know, yeah. as you know, you're only as as strong as the weakest link. And uh, athletes are busy. You know, this guy plays on the LA Lakers. They're entering in the playoffs right about now. Yeah. The playing game starts tomorrow. So to, to, to do these things all themselves is very difficult, right? So to bring a whole team, we have a whole team of probably six people working on this right now, from people doing the marketing, you know, setting up interviews, to doing the content creation and the business right in between. So, you know, what I would recommend is, if an athlete wants to get involved is to create their uh, own team of their, themselves, right? Of guys yeah. that can help them get this off the ground. 
Is there anything an athlete needs to look out for in the NFT space? Like any way like people can get scammed? You know, I think the great thing about the blockchain and NFT is that it avoids that that opportunity or that vehicle to possibly, you know, buy a bad painting or, you know, get bamboozled on a contract. But um, obviously I'm still new to the space. I'm excited more and more as I talk to more people in the NFT space. And I appreciate you taking the time. Um, and for those that are interested, make sure you guys check out MNG Collections. But is there anything an athlete like needs to look out for? So it's a concern and it's also a question that we get, frankly, why would I buy an NFT of a pitcher that I can just screenshot off Google. Thank and you. Yeah. What? Why? This. This. People say this all the time to me. It's very funny. Okay. So let's really exaggerate this situation to drive home this point. Okay. Let's use the Mona Lisa for example. Okay. Imagine I took a picture on my phone of the Mona Lisa off Google, and I came to you and I said, "Hey, I have this picture of the Mona Lisa. Would you like to buy it for five million? You're like, um, "Okay, I have some questions here, Grant. Okay. Um, prove that this is the real Mona Lisa, right? You know, what is the previous owners of this Mona Lisa? What did they pay for it? You want to know all of the backstory behind this, right? The, uh, I want it to be verified and uh, authenticated that it's correct. And whenever you purchase a collectible, whether it's a, a collection of wine, a Rolex, or uh, uh, the Mona Lisa, for me, I would love to know what were the previous owners, like buying a car, I want to report. I want to report that shows uh, the 10 previous owners the car of Mona facts. Lisa's. Yes, the car facts. I want the Mona Lisa facts of what they paid, who owned it, how long they owned it, and where was it stored and all of this stuff. The great thing about the NFTs is that car facts, that's exactly what the blockchain is. There, You can see everything. You can see what it was paid for, who created it, and who were the previous owners and what they paid for it. So going back to the Mona Lisa, selling you a picture on my phone, you'd be like, Grant, that's not the Mona Lisa, okay? Now, when you go to MNG Collections and you buy a picture, the creator of the NFT will say NF, uh, MNG Collections or Terrell Owens or Patrick Mahomes or whoever creates it. And that's on the ledger, on the blockchain. So it's 100% verified. So yeah, someone can take a picture of, of you know, uh, Sheldrick Redwine is the individual on the Cleveland Browns where we did the NFT for. They can take a picture of the NFT and try to resell it. But the person buying that picture is going to want to know, is that the real thing? And it's going to be yeah. impossible to prove unless you actually find it on the blockchain that was minted by us in partnership with him. So it's almost impossible to get bamboozled, uh, like uh, as you said, yeah. right? Because it's all public information. So I, as I was getting involved in this space, I had to learn myself as well. Why would someone buy these things? And oh. It quickly became very apparent when I brought up, someone told me about that Mona Lisa example, where you 100% can verify who created it, who the previous owners were, what they paid for it, and how long they owned it. Uh, uh, thank you so much. That's, that's very insightful. And so for the athletes, obviously, we're not going to get into like the, the in, ins and outs of MNG collections, but just for like the standard athlete Obviously, they probably have to work with the graphic designer. What's usually the split? Obviously, you can negotiate uh, based on how you negotiate, but yep. how, how does it usually work out in that standpoint? It's like, I pay you upfront fee to make this graphic design that I can make as an NFT, or, or do we work together and it's almost like a 70-30 type, 60-40, 50-50 type situation? It's a great question, and it's individualistic to every player and every relationship they have. An athlete could go to a graphic artist and say, here's $1,000, create five NFTs for me, and then the athlete keeps all the upside. 
The artist mm -hmm. gets paid up front and the risk is not on the artist. The risk then gets transferred to the athlete. So if that sells for $5 and they spent a thousand creating it, that's a negative proposition. And mm -hmm. that is one way you can do it. But that's, a, that's not the way we do it because that creates that high barrier entry. There's that cost yeah. up front. So we don't charge guys um, at really anything. We have them put a deposit that is used to pay the gas fee to mint these NFTs. And for people watching that don't really know what gas is, if I'm sending you $10 from an online banking, there's a fee to send you that money, right? It's not free. It's probably yeah. two or three bucks. Because this space is so inefficient with NFTs and the blockchain and all of this, those fees. So if I'm going to send you Bitcoin, maybe instead of, instead of sending you fiat currency, that's $3. If I'm sending you Bitcoin, it might cost $10. If I'm minting an NFT, that's a more complex blockchain transaction. So to mm -hmm. mint an NFT could cost $100, $150. So you have to ask yourself, if I'm only going to sell this NFT for this book for 50 bucks, but it costs me 100 to make, I obviously don't want to create a one-on-one. I want to create a collection of 10,000. So I pay the 150, but I have 50, uh, 1,000 books at 50 bucks. That's how you're going to make that profit, right? So for us, what we do is we have that athlete pay the, the gas fee um, okay. to mint the NFT, but that's it. There's no upfront fee of that. Like I said, uh -huh. send us the send us the the content, pay the gas fee, we create it, and then we take a percentage of whatever that NFT is sold for. So in oh, the athlete space, if you're a, a marketer or a business manager for professional athletes and you get them an endorsement deal, say with Puma or Nike or Gatorade, standard fees are somewhere between five and twenty percent of what that endorsement contract would be, right? So if you lock a big athlete in with Gatorade, million dollars, that person is going to take anywhere between 50 and 200,000 up front and the athlete gets the remainder. So for us, we have a similar kind of split as well. Really nothing up front, but whatever profits we make, we make a percentage. And what I would say that that would, should be a, a model that I believe a lot of athletes and NFT or people that want to get into an NFT space should create because it really, it creates a partnership where it's yeah. us and the athlete promoting the NFT to raise the money or to create that community or whatever the objective of that NFT is. Because if we just charge them that money up front, then it puts all the onus on the athlete and they don't really have the support of a team that they might need, right? So there's no right or wrong way. You know, some athlete might want to keep all the upside. So they'll pay up front to a graphic designer, uh, whether it's you or, a, 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 you know, a designer of a, of a, a piece of art or someone selling a textbook, they're going to have to decide what you know fee structure works for them. But at M&G, we don't charge anything up front and we take a percentage of profits once it's sold. I love that. And then uh, obviously, you know, working with a company like M&G can help out in the sense of handling the engagement. If you have like an experience attached to that NFT, talk about that from the athlete standpoint, like making sure that they can like back up their words like what's the process if you buy an nft and like you're promised to fly out like will that player have to physically fly out or is that included in a package where they pay for the nft and then it already takes care of everything from the flight standpoint or no nope. experience we're, we're, we're not at the we're not at the uh the space uh the, the point in time in this space where everything is automated so in the case we're with michael johnson's uh nft that's live on rarible right now once that nft uh gets sold and the auction is closed the logistics are either going you know, to be on the onus of the athlete or the team they partnered with or both. Okay. So in this case with Michael, it's both. We're going to help out with the logistics. So the owner or the winner of this NFT will get a, uh, a link 
that they will have a form. So once you buy the NFT, you get an unlocked link. When you click on that link, you get a form. You fill out that form and you submit it to MMG Collections. Form will have your name, your address, and your communication so that we can then plan out all those extra benefits on getting them down to Florida, getting them back, setting up in a hotel and all of this. So because this space is so new, just like the compensation and fee structure, it's very individualistic. There's not a standardized you know, process right now, right? Mm. Same thing with the benefits. There's no standard as well. So, you know, it could be depending on how the athlete structured this all up to the athlete to plan all this out. As I've been saying a couple of times, it'd be best to partner with the team to not only create it, to market it, but handle those logistics so that they can focus on what's important. And that's usually their sport, right? Yeah, that's what it's all about. I appreciate it. Um, do you have any other advice for athletes as it pertains to the NFT space? I think this was a great masterclass as it pertains to NFT. And I certainly learned a lot. I wrote down a lot. Um, and I'm sure the people that are listening to uh, this 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 podcast episode with you are, um, are, they got their head spinning. They're like, oh, okay, now I can get into NFTs. I, I feel like I, I know a little bit more. I think you just got to take the time to learn. And I think if you mm -hmm. don't, in five years, you're going to regret it. Um, but with that learning and with this space being so new and so much in its infancy, there's going to be frustrations, right? Uh, I talk with hedge fund managers that transfer hundreds of millions of dollars of Bitcoin, and they suffer from the same problems that we have when we mint an NFT where there's lags in the transaction or the fees are too high. So it doesn't matter if you're moving 100 million of Bitcoin or launching an NFT for 150 bucks. The inefficiencies of this market is very similar to the internet in 1995. Remember that <laughs> dial-up internet, right? And downloading a song yeah. overnight, you know, downloading one song took nine hours, right? That's yeah. just what happened. But you fast forward, imagine you, this is the example I use is the internet in 1995. If you were sitting there thinking this internet thing was a fad, which frankly, a lot of people did, um, they missed the boat. But those guys like Mark Cuban that took the time to create and just get involved research and learn and learn you might not even do something in this space but i can tell you right now if you don't learn about it you'll probably regret it just like someone that didn't learn about the internet in 1995 and they could have done something whether it's a simple website or sold some of their products on a marketplace like amazon you know a lot of people yeah. even till today are not online and it's detrimental to their business just like this space will be in 10 years you know, if you're a real estate agent and you're not learning about NFTs, you're going to miss a, a, an opportunity here because to take out the middlemen with all the lawyers and all the yeah. nuances between selling a piece of property, you know, there's already been real estate transactions on the blockchain that have already happened. So whether you're a textbook provider, you're an athlete, you're an artist that makes songs, or you're a real estate agent, you should spend one hour a week you know, two hours, whatever it is, and just learn about the space, you know. Do you have any resources ago, that you think are, are good? I've uh, so been on the YouTube yeah, channel. Uh, there's, there's a YouTube channel called 99 Bitcoins. Nine, nine, like Wayne Gretzky, Bitcoins with an S. And he's a, a, a middle-aged white man that explains everything from Ethereum to what the blockchain is as if you were a 10-year-old girl. And everyone loves it because it's so simple to understand, right? He breaks it down in the most simplistic of ways. And I would recommend just jumping on that, learning about this space, 
Um, there are tons of websites, you know, just start Googling to what is Ethereum? What is the blockchain? What is an NFT? What is a smart contract? You know, uh, and just putting the time in like anything else. Athletes are great because you talk to a 15 year old athlete or a 10 year old playing pop Warner football. They're not in the NFL. It takes time. You got to put the reps in. You're not just going to be professional overnight. Same thing with this. You're not going to just read one article and make a million dollars on an NFT. This is not how the world works. You've got to put that time in. Just like the athlete, you got to get your muscle memory reps up. You know, if we're talking about financial advice, you got to get your money and your, your financial habit reps up. Same yeah. thing with this, right? You just have to put the time in. And so I think that if you don't, you'll, you'll regret it in five to seven years. No, I appreciate it. And Grant, last question. Uh, once again, I really appreciate you, you know, schooling me on NFTs and, you know, the audience that may or may not be familiar with NFTs. But as an advisor for athletes, artists, entertainers, you know, you mentioned, you know, looking for new opportunities. How much of it is looking for new opportunities and then protecting them from existing opportunities that they already have? There's, it's a combination, you know, I, I, in my, in my day job, I'm more of an educator more than anything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, athletes, uh, I hate the stigma that, that goes behind these guys that they're bad with money and this and that, you know, there's this 2009 article on sports illustrated that has two of the most commonly cited stats with athletes. One of them is 78% of NFL players are broke within two years of retirement. It's simply not true. It's not an academic study. I've yeah. read academic studies. I'm doing a, a thesis right now through an MBA program that's going to take me six months and have acquired a ton of knowledge in this space. And it's just simply not true. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, for, for this, it, it's about really, you know, educating them on what to do and what not to do, right? You know, these guys all want to, you know, I don't want to say get rich, but a lot of these athletes are win at all costs guys. You know, they bet yeah. on themselves. They, they double down. They do two days in the rain. They're used to going all, all in on their sport. And frankly, that's what gets them to become a professional athlete, Sorry. right? You can't, you can't become pro unless you're all in. And the thing is, is they actually, the thing that makes them a good athlete, that all in mentality, that, that win first at all costs, they, they sometimes have difficulty um, shutting that off when it comes to business, where they're all in on that burger joint, they're all in on that one investment. And I look at portfolios all the time, and they're 80% public investments. Talk to Kevin O'Leary and the Mark Cubans of the world. They're worth $10 billion. Their private portfolio is a small sliver of their portfolio. So yeah. how we slice that pie is risk management 101, right? Have a little real estate, have a little private deals, have a little bit of public investments, have some passive income in there from bonds and, you know, fixed income. And you have to diversify. If you just slice your pie as thin as possible, it will really eliminate 90% of the risks out there. And so my job is really just to educate these guys on how to slice that pie, right? So in the pie, we have to evaluate what they have, right? So some guys will come and they have a huge portion of their pie in real estate and in private deals. And so what we do is we re-slice their pie. And that is advising them and protecting them about what they currently own. But by minimizing those two slices, we have to fill it with something else. And that goes to your other point. We have to find new opportunities for them. So whether that's a public investment, like a stock or bond ETF or mutual fund or hedge fund or something, or a private deal, right? You know, real estate or a private company. Um, so it's really a mixture, to be honest with you. 
Oh, perfect. Um, for anyone that's looking to connect, I know your, your time is busy. Uh, where can they connect with you? So they can really find me in one of two places. Uh, MMG Collections is, is just that on Instagram. It's where we post all of our content. Uh, MNG Collections uh, is the Instagram tag. Uh, my personal Instagram is Gene Leschowski at Instagram. And basically all the information is coming out of there. We've created a one source. We don't have YouTube channels. We don't have a website just to keep it real simple for play people. So if you want to learn anything about upcoming launches, we also have a lot of educational content on there. Just you know, educating people about what the space is, right? And people that have done NFTs and how to buy Ethereum, how to connect to these platforms like Rarible so they can even purchase these digital assets. It's all online at that spot. Uh, thank you so much, Grant. And we'll all have all that information in the show notes. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was an NFT 101 masterclass. Uh, we will be sure to get Grant back on. Hopefully by the time you're uh, listening to this podcast, you will have heard about his Lakers announcement. I for sure am excited about that. And for all the other things that he has coming up, um, definitely stay informed, not only when it comes to NFTs, but any alternative investments or investments that you guys may or be, may, may not be interested in. Um, it goes without saying, make sure you consult with your financial team, expert, advisors, all that. But yeah, once again, thank you so much, Grant. Uh, this was amazing. I learned more than I think, uh, uh, you know, I've ever learned on a podcast before. So that's what it's all about. So uh, appreciate you coming on and hopefully catch up with you soon. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.